Hey everybody, this is Terry. I just wanted to let you know the audio on this episode might be a little iffier on some parts than others. We had a few technical difficulties recording. I cleaned it up the best I could, and I think it's still listenable. And we've got some really good stuff, I think. We talk about some really good topics. I thought I'd just let you know either way, so enter at your own risk, I guess. Alright, how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Three Dudes Reviews, featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and our guest star again, Dan. Say hi, Dan. Hey, how's it going? He's back for some more reviews. Oh, yeah. So we've been going on our um, Treat Yourself segment of movies, where we're just uh, picking movies that we want to see, or you haven't got around to, you just want to watch them, have your friends watch them, treat yourself. And Terry started out with Solaris. Yeah. Fox picked Mother. Yep. And then I picked A Ghost Story. So I picked a, a weird movie in the arts thing, because I wanted, I wanted to hear what you guys thought about it. But anyways, A Ghost Story is directed by David Lowry on IMDb. It's got a 6.8 out of 10 user score, 84 meta score on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 90% tomato meter and a 66% audience score. And um, I'm just going to read the IMDb um, <laughs> synopsis on this. In this singular exploration of legacy, love, loss, and the normandy of existence, a recently deceased white-sheeted ghost returns to his suburban home to try and reconnect with his bereft wife. I wouldn't say that's a great summary of this film, though. Yeah. It's a lot more than that. I think it's kind of hard to summarize it, but uh, this is an A24 movie. So if you know A24 movies are kind of a little bit more out there, Sometimes have different narrative structures, more artsy, and this is definitely one of those movies. Yeah, they like to take risks. And sometimes it really pays off for them, because wasn't Lady Bird an A24? Mm-hmm. And that got pretty big. And I know they've had some other stuff that's gotten pretty big, too, but I can't think of it right off the top of my head. But I guess, what do you guys think about this movie? I think if you love pie, you're going to like this movie a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for a second there, I was like, wait. It took me a second to comprehend what you just said. And I, was I like, know. Huh? I was like, the film pie, the number, what's he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this movie has the infamous pie scene. I didn't know anything about this movie except for the scene where she eats a pie for 15 minutes on screen. <laughs> Not quite that long. It's a very long time. It does feel like it. I timed it. So <laughs> takes her from the moment she starts eating the pie. Not from when she sits on the floor eating the pie. But when she first starts to dig in, it's five minutes. Until she goes and throws up. Really? That's all? That's all he says. It's five minutes, but that, that that's leaving out beforehand stuff. Just five minutes, that's all. When can I get like a gig like that where they're like, hey, we're going to just film you eating a full pie for like five minutes. Just have at it. Well, it was a vegan chocolate pie, so I don't know if you'd like it. <laughs> mm, well, yeah, I probably wouldn't like it as much. Yeah, I guess that was Rooney Mara's like first time eating pie was then. What? Which just seems bizarre. Like, who's never had a pie? Yeah, she did it in one take, too. So, 
Should we just say spoilers from here on out? Yep, yep, I think so. Yeah. So this is going to be spoiler-heavy review from here on out, so sorry. I guess we should have said that earlier. If you haven't seen it, leave and come back when you've seen it, you know? <laughs> yeah, get out of here, you degenerates. We don't want <laughs> yeah. you here. This is an exclusive club. I think that follows pretty in line with this film. <laughs> the pie scene, though, you know, it takes a long time, but it, it makes sense with the end of the movie because for uh our ghost guy um casey affleck you know time moves so quick for him in other sections but at that moment time was you know going super slow he was actually in tune with time that was one of the more interesting parts of the movie because since he's dead he's not really bound to our concept of time anymore he's kind of outside it and so that plays a really big part in the film and his journey or whatever his story that he is a big part of so that was really cool i thought at the end you can look back and be like you can see how much that moment meant to him because of how time was passing and I think that's kind of cool. So it makes sense. I think it's more of a, a relatable moment to me, really. I mean, I guess I didn't really care so much about his being in the moment so much as it just seemed like, you know, whenever I get bummed out, sitting on the floor is something I like to do. And I definitely would eat an entire pie. I'd do that just regularly, but <laughs> I completely get what you mean. And that's one of the cool things about this film is it goes for the realistic approach of dealing with grief and the loss of a loved one or something. You don't have the sweeping orchestral scores and people just bawling all the time and yelling or doing the the Nick Cage bathroom freak out and Mandy. People do stuff like this, so... It was very realistic, yeah. That was something I appreciated about it. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. I'd heard a lot of weird stuff about it, and I was like, oh, it's just literally her eating pie. Like, You guys made me think it was going to be creepy or gross or something. I didn't realize it was just going to be like, <laughs> yep, it's just like a sad person eating a pie on the floor. Like, <laughs> People had hyped it up so much online that, yeah, that's what I thought, too. It was going to be some like weird, crazy pie scene, but no. Pretty grounded pie scene. <laughs> That's what a lot of people were talking about, you know, is like, it's got the pie scene in it. And when you hear that, I mean... Your imagination can only go wild. Yeah, yeah, because you wouldn't ever imagine just somebody on the floor eating pie and crying, you know, and then throwing it up. See, what, what else stood out to you guys with this movie like the aspect ratio oh yeah that's a good point the aspect ratio was pretty interesting i gotta say i was not a fan of that i don't think it added anything to the film you know it just kind of seemed like art for the sake of art which i know some people are about but i am not a person who is about art for the sake of art for me i can't imagine it in like the traditional aspect ratio after seeing the movie because it's really it gets in your face kind of which is the whole point of the movie. You're there experiencing everything with the characters and with uh, the ghost as he's haunting the house and everything. And then it kind of also reminded me of the ghost himself. It's kind of just this small window into everything that's happening around him. And I mean, he, it even like resembles the ghost 
like the head of the ghost with the vignette and everything applied to it too so i wasn't sure at first but I, it grew on me as i was watching it yeah it kind of made me think of like a home movie or something like someone filmed on a recorder like an old-timey like projector you'd have film on yeah, yeah, which, yeah, at first it did, like, I was like, well, this is weird, but I didn't even notice it towards the end. I'd kind of, I'd totally forgotten about it. I like the way you put that, Dan, how saying it's a small window into, like, his viewpoint, because the movie, you know, it's like, I take it as it's a movie about time and what your place is in the universe, you know. He gets to see throughout the movie how small his viewpoint actually is, you know. When he was alive, when he dies, he gets to see how the area changes where he lived, you know, and how he was just there for such a small time. So it's just a small glimpse into his viewpoint. I gotta say, I like the simplified approach of like the ghost. It's just like a guy in a sheet. It's kind of cool. Yes, I love that. It was so cool because you don't see that outside of little kid cartoons or stuff like that. So it was it was great. Like, and it could do so many things that I was kind of surprised because at some points I was kind of creeped out by it. And at some point he looked sad. <laughs> I was like, it really pulled off a lot of emotions. And all you really see is just like a sheet with two eye holes. So I love that too because you can definitely tell the emotions he's going through and how, how what he's watching and he can't really interact more. Um, well, I guess he can throw stuff and pick stuff up, but he only does that once he did get very angry at one point like you can feel the emotion there because he was mad that Rooney Mara's character left and that these new people were in his house now so I guess he couldn't just leave like is he just stuck at the house I don't know that's I was gonna ask you guys about that because I think he's stuck in that area because he, he started out at the hospital he, he was managed to walk all the way over there like I don't know and the area expands later on true yeah <laughs> gets more vertical but yeah it, it's a play on the traditional like haunted house type thing where the spirit is tied to the location so that's what he's going for and for him he liked being in the house and that was a point of consternation or whatever between him and his wife was that she wanted to move, but he wanted to stay there because he felt like he was attached to it in some way. And they had history there, so it's a, it's a play on the traditional haunting of a house, except his, it's him, and he's just gone back because he's waiting for something or trying to get that note that his wife leaves in there. And that's true, yeah, because I forgot that, yeah, in his life he really liked that house too, and he didn't want to leave even when he was alive, so I guess when he's dead he's still like, well, I might as well chill here, I guess. You know, I guess towards the end there, once it's revealed that he, uh, a big, yeah, point of strife for them was that he wanted to leave and she didn't like it because it was creepy and maybe haunted, and eventually he's like, we can go, we can leave, but then in death, you know, he chooses to stay there, which makes you wonder if maybe he always would have stayed there even if she'd left. Yeah. He had some strong personal attachment there, you know, because you could see like he had the good memories there and he wanted to stay there. And so that area meant a lot to him. So do you guys think he chose to be the ghost? Because at the beginning when he's walking down the hospital, there's that like big like doorway that just like opens up into light and then disappears and he just like walks off. Do you think like that was like him making the choice? Hey, I'm going to stay on Earth and not like move on. Yeah, definitely. He wasn't ready to go yet. I kind of feel like that door closed very quickly. <laughs> like he did not have a lot of time to even like think about it <laughs> i guess i feel like it like knew what his choice would be he was like no nah, i'm not going right away <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Well, yeah, I felt like he just like walked up. He was like, oh, that's weird. He was like staring at it like, this is crazy. And then just like, oh, okay, time's up. See ya. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> that's how I feel like he looked for 80% of the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that whole hospital sequence, too, was one of my favorite sequences in the whole movie. When he just sits up off of the table and then starts walking around. The use of the colors that in that scene, him going to the doorway and choosing not to go and then just the really haunting creepy music that's playing when the ghost first is revealed i guess it was great i loved that whole that whole part and then him walking back to the house that was great some great filmmaking on display right there i thought yeah that was really cool that was one of the more yeah enjoyable parts for me i think yeah i will say i think for my taste it was a little too like stagnant like it fixated on things a little bit too long i know like the whole point is time is going slow and then it goes fast but from like a i don't know like a viewer standpoint i was kind of just like okay i get it you know you got your point across i don't need to watch this for three minutes as he just stares at this thing i had a great tv i did feel like sometimes it really thought it was being deep and artsy but it was just kind of dragging out and i was like i get it you're a deep moving film i know okay I kind of feel like I would have liked it better if it would have been like a 30-minute like short film almost. It has a lot of like potential, but I think if they'd condensed it down a little bit, I would have liked it a lot more. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, after he dies and he gets back to his house, and then when his wife shows up, wanders around the house, looks at the table, looks at the mail, sees the pie, goes and washes her hands, decides she wants to eat the pie, eats the pie, and throws up. That whole sequence is one-ninth of the total runtime of the film, and where he obviously is dragging that out to showcase how people react when they lose someone. It's like they wander around and look at all their stuff wonder what they're going to do next and everything. He gets the point across, and he doesn't need 10 minutes to get that point across, you know? He can do it in a lot shorter amount of time. When he first is wheeled in on the gurney or whatever and is just laying in the hospital bed dead for like a minute or whatever before he gets up, I mean, there's a lot of scenes like that throughout that are just... He gets the point across in about half the time he spends on the shot. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Because at one point, there was like a fly on our screen, and we thought it was part of the movie. Because it was literally the only like thing that had changed in the frame. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> at least I know, know me and Fox noticed it. But I was like, wait, is this part of the movie? I agree. It's kind of interesting because, you know, he's getting the point across of how time is passing for him, for the ghost character. And I think that's really kind of crucial is because we're seeing it through his viewpoint. But yeah, it does take too long. And I would rather see more of how that location changed throughout the year because it was pretty stinking cool, you know, when they built up that skyscraper and then it went to like Blade Runner, cyberpunk-esque, you know. Yeah. And the music was going and he was walking out there and seeing how much everything had changed. I wanted some more of that. So I would have, you know, cut down those other scenes. Yeah, even though we're seeing it through his viewpoint, it it is a little too much. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of feel like that way, like throughout the whole movie, really. I don't know, like everything could have been summed up much faster. It kind of got almost a little uh, 
pretentious and angsty for me sometimes. Let me ask you guys, at the, the party that happens in the house, we get this character who shows up and basically says the message of the movie, the theme he's trying to get across. The prognosticator. Is that, is that his name? Yeah. <laughs> Such an awesome name. Yeah, what do, you, what do you guys think of that dude? Ham-fisted. Yeah, I got very sick of that very fast, which I'm hoping was like a self-aware point of the film, like kind of, we know what we're doing here. <laughs> like, this is what we must sound like, you know? I kind of liked him. I, I thought he'd acted it out really well. I was kind of enthralled by his speech, but I did also go on for like a long time. <laughs> I was like, okay, we get it, we get it. I, I didn't necessarily mind it. I thought it was... An interesting choice. It's just kind of weird, though, because, you know, at this point in his life, you think time would be going faster and faster. But then for some reason, he chooses to fixate on this one moment. I don't know why. I don't think he's a reliable narrator. You know, I, I think we're catching the high points, you know, getting the cliff notes of the whole experience. Oh, uh, this is something he remembers. This weird guy just giving speeches in his house. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I don't know, he struck me as, like, a hipster kind of dude, and this seemed like a guy he would probably hang out with, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, that that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, the guy acts it out fine and everything, but I think a movie would have been better without that whole scene in there. Because, I mean, it's an art house film, and that whole scene is, like, put in there for people who are like, okay, this is what my movie's about, this is the message I'm getting across. It seems like that's a bridge to get people who don't normally want to watch art house films. Not really to get them in the seat, but at least to have them know what's going on if they can't figure it out. But, I mean, he does such a good job at addressing those themes throughout the movie with the visuals that he doesn't need the prognosticator to spell it out for you. So I thought it took away from the film as a whole because like either, either he has no confidence in the audience getting his message or yeah, he's just, it felt very ham fisted to me, even though there's technically nothing wrong with the acting or the scene in general. It just, it didn't need to be in there. I don't think. I'd agree with you, Dan. I, you know, I, I do think it was kind of a clumsy attempt at being like the movies about nihilism when a film like, Requiem for a Dream never even, like, touches on that subject. And yet at the end of the day, like, after you finish Requiem for a Dream, odds are you probably think life has no meaning anymore. <laughs> it's so much, it, it describes the topic so much better without ever talking about it. I wouldn't say that the movie's about, like, life has no meaning. Like, that's what the guy's speech was kind of getting at. But then he's like, you know, something you do now, something you create now may mean nothing in a hundred years, but a thousand years down the road, maybe it means something, you know? And I, you could see that too through the, the ghost, through what he was seeing, because some things did mean a lot to him and time was relative for him in those sections, you know? Yeah, I mean, lo and behold, he when he finally does get that note after thousands of years or whatever... It means something because his, like, stay on Earth is over as soon as he touches that note and reads it. Like, I think the movie might have been, yeah. I don't think he was, like, a total nihilist, yeah. I don't think it was, like, life has no meaning. I don't know. Remember the other ghost? When the other ghost realized that there was no point in him staying anymore, that it was meaningless, he left. True, but if that ghost would have just kept waiting, he might have actually found that it wasn't totally pointless like our main ghost did. How do we know that the ghost found meaning in it? We never saw what was on the note. 
Maybe it said something stupid like apricot. That's not the point of the film or whatever. The whole point of the note was he was he wanted to know what was on there because of his connection with his wife or whatever. It doesn't really matter what she wrote on there. He just had to know since it was the last time he actually saw her. The last time she was in that place that had all that great meaning and stuff to him so yeah she could have wrote apricot on there or something else dumb but he he just had to know and that was what was tethering him to the earth still or whatever yeah i, I don't know i guess i feel like once he read it he was like there's no point anymore so shalom it depends on how you yeah on how you view it yeah maybe maybe he read it and was like wow that wasn't worth it and then he just goes away. <laughs> <laughs> <That's kind of laughs> so what do you feel about this movie saying your place in the universe is. What do you think the message he's trying to get across with that is? What I think he was going for, kind of what I got out of the film, was uh, that your legacy, the things that you do, and all that stuff, you shouldn't be concerned with that, really, because once you're dead, once your kids are dead, and all their people are dead too that's all gonna go away people will eventually forget everything that you've done you will be forgotten over time because everything dies even memories and uh artwork music like what the main character was he's a songwriter so all his songs will eventually go away and be forgotten so really you can do stuff like that because it'll have meaning for pe- other people and for yourself, but it's not really what's important. What's important is the time you spend with uh, the people around you and the relationships and connections you make with them. Because that's happening in the now and will affect you while you're still alive. So you should focus, really focus more on that than your legacy and all that stuff, because it's all going to go away. Damn. <laughs> Live in the now, man. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, <laughs> sum it up. <laughs> I agree with that, Dan. That's what I got from it, too. Live in the now. I mean, you do get that from that character who kind of just comes in and tells you that, you know? So Yeah. <laughs> that is one of my main, you know, criticisms of this movie is I like what that guy says. You know, I think it's interesting. It's an interesting viewpoint, but I hate that he spells it out right for you right there. And he spends a really long time doing it. Probably another ninth of the movie. <laughs> God, I saw something that he has like more dialogue than like double of the main characters combined. <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> I really liked uh, the other ghost. I thought that was interesting. I wish there would have been like more ghosts walking around. Because I thought that like interaction between the two was really interesting. Like how they communicated and how like kind of awkward and sad it was. Oh, it was it was just so like bizarre and weird, but I really was intrigued by it. I kind of wanted to know more about this ghost world that's going on. Yeah, I like that too, TV. I like the uh, yeah the subtitles for their communication. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I thought as well. Yeah, I think there could have been some more stuff like that. I think that'd have been very cool. All these ghosts have different purposes. They're all doing waiting for something, but like I thought they might like be friends and try to like fix their loneliness by chatting it up, but no. They, they do not find meaning in each other. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, no. Yeah, I agree with you. They could have cut out some of the pie and the pro or whatever they call him, the prognosticator, and had more with the ghost. That would have been a lot more interesting. 
It was really interesting, too, because they don't subtitle the, the Spanish family, but they subtitle the ghosts. Let me ask you guys. So after the Blade Runner moment, do you think he goes way back in time where his house ended up, where it was first being settled on by pioneers, or do you think he went in the future? I think he went back to when it was first getting settled. I guess. So he's still there, I guess. He can see the other ghost of himself, can't he? Yeah. Does he interact with anything after he like meets himself at that point in time? Just the wall when he digs out the note. Yeah, I mean, it creates a weird look at time travel because before that it's like a casual loop but then once there's two of him it's like a paradox at first i thought they were going forward in time but i think that he went back too because what a coincidence that the exact same person in the exact same house unless that's what the point is is like earth just cycles through and i think it's supposed to be like a bootstrap paradox kind of deal where time is like in a vertical fashion instead of like a horizontal one moving forward you know it's up and down it's it's all happening at the same instance but expanding from whatever point in reality you're existing at yeah i'm not really sure what i think about if he moved forward or back i i still can't figure that piece out yet what he was trying to get through there because that next scene is yeah he jumps back to where he sees himself and uh his wife is there as well well since he's dead we kind of talked about he's outside of normal time or whatever i don't think he necessarily controls where he goes in time it just kind of happens to him or whatever. And I mean, after he jumped off the top of the building, I mean, you could argue that that would be enough of a shock to send him backwards in time, I guess, <laughs> if you wanted to make that kind of argument. I think the point of him going back and seeing the pioneers staking out the claim and getting ready to build the house and then ultimately all dying there is going the probably show that there's a history of death in that house. At least that's what I got out of that. I kind of thought the point was uh, because that little girl hides the note and that kind of reminds him that, oh yeah, like my whole purpose is to get the note. Because I think he'd forgotten what he was doing just like the other ghost did. And then when he saw the little girl put the note down, he was like, wait, that's right. I need to stick around a little longer. Yeah, that's right. I'd forgotten about that. What does he do? He makes the piano sound after... Time has, however you perceive it, gone backwards or restarted. He makes the piano sound. Oh, he does. Which is earlier, before his death. So I guess that's where it really becomes a casual loop in that that's an event of no origin because he had to be dead before he could make that sound that he himself alive hears. Yeah, but when he's dead, he's outside of normal time, so he could just go and do whatever he wanted. That's where it gets messy, though, because you have to think it doesn't fit with how norm how we perceive time <laughs> normally and all that. Well, I don't. I think it's lame to like go and try and put spiritualism in with like a casual loop or bootstrap paradox. I mean, like it's it's a very old topic that's been done to death. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting. I mean, if he can just... He's a ghost. Like, who's to say he can't or can, you know? Like... I don't know. Like, Futurama accomplishes, like, covering the same topic in 24 minutes to much better effect, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think that's the main focus of it, either. I don't think they're trying to get that across, that ghosts can travel through time. I think the point is the whole, like, moving on and stuff like that. Well, the point is that it's not travel. It's all happening instantaneously. That all time happens in the same instance rather than moving forward or backwards. I think me and Fox are kind of on the same wavelength, but getting to it from different points of view. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not the point of the film, but it is 
don't know. It's an interesting little thing to discuss, too. <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool. For some reason, it just didn't sit right with me. That is fair. I mean, you can see, uh, just looking at reviews, some people love this movie, some people hate it. I wouldn't say I hate it. I mean... Well, yeah, I'm not saying that, but uh, it definitely has a mixed reception. And uh, artsy movies like this, you know, usually have that kind of reception. So, you guys got anything else you want to discuss, or should we move into overall presentations? I guess I already touched on it, but yeah, some of those like slow scenes were almost like, or like they just like stick on something for a long time. Like when he's like cuddling with his wife, it's almost awkward. Like I was like, okay, I don't really want to watch this anymore. Oh, they were in bed? Yeah, I feel like I kind of felt like I was like, creeping on them a little bit, and it was uh, yep, yep. too stagnant. I was impressed by how intimate that moment felt. I don't know. I, I like I felt like the the actors and I like I don't know how I could ever do that with somebody I like wasn't in a relationship with. I, I was impressed by that scene. At some point, like the maybe it's because it was so intimate that I was like, I shouldn't be watching this. Like, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. can see that. Yeah, I watched an interview with the director and he said that that was the whole point for a lot of his of those longer scenes was to make you feel uncomfortable and like you're you shouldn't really be there because that's kind of the point of the movie well not 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 necessarily the point of the movie but like point of that scene yeah the point of the, it's it's meant for him and not for you or whatever yeah and i guess once he becomes a ghost that's kind of like what he's doing is like just watching things and probably shouldn't really be there anyways you had a choice to leave but <laughs> Now you're just being a creep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that sums it up. But um, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara, they've worked together on one of his other films b- before this one, I believe. And he, he picked them specifically because they had such good chemistry and they trust each other and stuff on film. So that's why they were able to achieve that with that scene. So are we like the ghosts because we just sit there and watch? Ooh, yep, probably. Oh, God. Am I a ghost? (laughs) I do have a sheet over my head at this very moment. Oh, no. (laughs) His sound port. My studio. Am I a ghost, guys? Are we all ghosts? Just looking for our purpose? No. So, I guess an effort to move along, unlike the movie does in some points, we should probably hit (laughs) overall presentations. Sounds good to me. So our categories are burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it. They're kind of self-explanatory, kind of from how much we hate it to how much we love it. Yeah, so I this is the second time I've seen this movie. I watched it um, back in, I think, about January, Um, so... Probably about 11 months ago, I watched this. And I remember thinking then, I was like, you know, this would be an interesting movie, I think, for us to watch and talk about. And there are some things I really like about this movie that I think it does really well. And then, yeah, there's some things that could be improved. Especially the um, how long you watch some stuff. Like, we don't need to watch it that long to get the point that's coming across. We, We talked about that. But I do like, you know, kind of the themes and commentary it brings up a little bit. Um, I know general audiences would not like this movie at all, but I'm going to give it a watch it. I think it's interesting to hear what you guys got out of it, too, you know. So I'm going to give it a watch it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like this movie tried to cover a lot of things, you know, ranging from philosophy, nihilism, and existentialism to time travel and physics, casual loops, bootstrap paradox, you know, casuality. And... I don't know. I feel like it like 
it hits on a lot of things, but it never really, I don't know, covers or makes you understand or feel differently about anything particularly, in my opinion, I guess, despite lingering on things for what seem like ages sometimes. That being said, it's not a bad movie. I like Rooney Mara and uh, Casey, what's his name? Aflac. So I don't know. I saw an IMDb review that I think pretty well sums up about how like how I feel about it you know I'm glad I watched it I don't regret seeing it but I wouldn't recommend it and I don't think I would watch it again so I'm gonna give it a pass I think actually my biggest issue with it is like it's just a little too long with like it's shots it takes forever when he's already accomplished what he needs to he should move along he doesn't seem to want to which could be part of the movie you know the ghost doesn't move along either he kind of wants to stick around and watch things but as a viewer I don't that being said, it looks good. I think the, the shots look pretty great, and the acting's good. And I think the ghost is interesting, and there are some parts that really kind of hit me, like when he meets the other ghost, and when the other ghost kind of gives up, kind of pulled my heartstrings a little bit. I'm going to give it a watch it. I think it's worth a watch, but maybe a softer watch it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it is an interesting movie, and it's something to think about. Yeah, it's definitely something to think about. I've been thinking about it. Ever since I watched it last night, it's kind of just been in the back of my mind and me thinking about the whole movie in general. I agree with everything you guys said on him lingering too much on a lot of the shots, especially the pie, the, the um, bedroom one, and then the one in the hospital before he actually gets up as the ghost. He does spend a lot of time on those that he could have gotten the point across a lot faster. He didn't need the prognosticator at all, really, I don't think. But in spite of all that, the rest of the movie is just a beautiful film to watch. Like, the way it's shot, the image of this just classic ghost and all these different places and him observing everything I thought was really cool and it's an ingenious twist on the classic haunted house story as told from the perspective of the ghost and him trying to move on and reconnect with the last piece of his wife I don't know it just the it's a very sad kind of depressing film but at the same time I really like the message that it has to and I, I don't know, it's kind of hard to describe, but I don't know, it resonated with me quite a bit. It also had me uh, shedding a few tears at some, <laughs> some points, too. I haven't watched a movie this sad or that got me this bad in a long time. I really liked it. I loved pretty much everything except that those handful of scenes that I already covered. I'm actually going to give this one a buy it. Whoa. (laughs) Despite all those flaws, I like the other stuff enough to make up for it. And I think this would be a really good addition to your collection and to my collection. I did not see that coming. Yeah, there's a massive upset. Man, look at that. You can see we're kind of on the the spreads. We got to pass it to watch it and I'll buy it. So I guess that rounds out to a watch it. That's like the widest we've ever like spread out before. I think usually we're all pretty much on the same page. (laughs) Yeah, that's neat. So yeah, a ghost story certified by the three dudes reviews and Dan as a a watch it, a rounded out watch it. I guess, do, do you have a movie, Dan? I do have a movie, actually. Ooh, 
What do you got? It's a mad, 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 mad world. <laughs> okay. I've heard of this, but I know nothing about it. Is this a sad movie too? Nope. I'll read the synopsis. The dying words of a thief spark a madcap cross-country rush to find some treasure. This looks awesome, Dan. 63. <laughs> That's old. Wow. I'm stoked. Me too. I've, I've seen it before when I was real young. And like a few months ago, I'd started, actually, I think at the beginning of the year, I was like, you know, I saw this old ass movie back in the day with a bunch of crazy people in these crazy old time cars racing each other. What the heck was that movie? And I've been trying to figure it out for the longest time. And I, I finally figured out what it was. That it was this movie like two months ago and I've been wanting to watch it ever since I rediscovered it. So This is a long one. Three hours and 25 minutes. Oh God. So there's two cuts. You can stream it on Amazon Prime for free, and that's like the two-hour and 40-minute cut, which a lot of people say is the better one. So. Oh, okay. That's the extended one, but the one on Amazon Prime is the two-hour something one, so <laughs> not quite as long. So, yeah, if you guys want to contact us, any of you listeners, you can message us on Facebook or on Twitter at 3DudesReviews, or you can email us at 3DudesReviewsPodcast at gmail.com. Please let us know what you think. We want to know. Get in contact with us. Do it. Do it. What movies have you been meaning to watch? Ooh, yeah, I want to know about that. I want to know, too. Give us some good recommendations. Yeah, and if you recommend something, we might just do a review of it. You never know. Yeah. All right, well, stay tuned for um, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World coming up. But yeah, I guess thanks for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it. This is uh, Three Dudes Reviews uh, with Dan <laughs> signing off. Mm-hmm.